It's that time of year for studying, researching, and lots and lots of writing. But you don't have to do it on your own. Grammarly is a free AI-powered writing tool that helps you from start to finish. From brainstorming an outline to polishing your essay, you can submit every assignment with confidence. Download and start using it today. It's essential for students. Go to Grammarly.com slash students to download for free and learn more. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash S-T-U-D-E-N-T-S. If Nadine Dorries is in contempt, then we are all in contempt. I know I am. I'm Harriet Langley Swindon, and this is Nonsensored. Hello and welcome to Nonsensored, the podcast that wraps up all the best bits from my very real daily radio show into one easy-to-digest highlights package. I'm joined as ever by my producer Martin, and what a show we have this week, eh, Martin? Oh, yes, indeed. We were joined once again by head of Central South Thames Water, Douglas Brown, who you may remember from his appearance on the show last year, and also by the world's strictest headmistress. And as ever, we had Ishan Akbar to provide a hot and spicy takeaway of the week about the government's failed Rwanda policy. But as ever, there was so much we couldn't fit in. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I mean, we couldn't fit in our piece on Nadine Dorries and Jacob Rees-Mogg being in contempt of Parliament. And also they said some things about the committee's report that we really can't repeat. I'll tell you what I think about Ofcom, Martin. No, please, please don't. Not again. Um, We also didn't have space for our exclusive Glastonbury coverage, where I reported live from the site all weekend. Yes, we're not playing you that, because after producer Martin had that brownie on Thursday evening, the reports all got very samey and boring. What are you suggesting? Oh, no, sorry. To be clear, there weren't any drugs in it, but he wouldn't stop banging on about how it was gluten-free, but it didn't taste like it was gluten-free. Ugh, tedious. It's delicious. Uh, Now, don't forget you can email us questions, corrections and contributions to our crowdsourced Donald Trump erotic thriller set in the steamy world of golf. Any holes a goal by emailing nonsensedpodcast at gmail.com. We've got a time for questions episode scheduled in about a month. So do get writing. But on to this week's show, and we'll start with Ishan Akbar reacting live to the news that the government's deportation policy is, quote unquote, unlawful. Let's take a listen. Ishan Akbar, hello. Hello, Harriet. Delighted to be here. Now, what's got your goat this week? Well, it's... it's First of all, may I just start by saying Eid Mubarak, which is a very goat-heavy time for Muslims around the world. So on right. behalf of uh, Non-Censored and to all our Muslim listeners, Eid Mubarak. Eid Mubarak to all our, our Muslim listeners. I hope you enjoy your goats. So here's what's got my goat this week. And this is pretty much breaking news because initially I was going to talk to you about how the pollen count, much like illegal immigration in this country was overwhelming me. Right, right. And in keeping with that, I have, I don't know whether it's good news or bad news, we can work it out together. But the cause of appeal have reversed the decision of the High Court in December and said that the removal of asylum seekers to Rwanda 
is unlawful. And until changes are made to the asylum system there, they can't do it anymore. No, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. How is it unlawful? We've told the government, it's the government, the government makes the laws. I'm with you, Harriet. If the government can make the law, how can it then they make a law which is uh, illegal? Unlawful. You can't unlaw a lawmaker and the governments are the lawmakers. Now, the Home Office earlier this week, they published mm-hmm. an economic impact assessment of the government's illegal uh, migration bill. And they estimated that sending a migrant to a safe country such as Rwanda could cost £63,000 more. Now, the only reason... Doesn't matter, we're not paying for it, are well, we? It, well, there's one. It costs £63,000 more to send them to another country than keep them here. But in my opinion, I think the Home Office missed something here. If you send them on flights like Ryanair, there's all mm-hmm. these hidden charges. And if there's one thing we know about migrants is they're very demanding. Yes. So Maybe we they... could put them on a boat. Yes, mm. and then we can reduce those charges. Well, no, okay. I think if we do just... On, why don't we put them on lots of little boats? No, the small... Rwanda. Okay. I feel like perhaps we're getting back to the initial problem here, which was the dangerous and illegal uh, entry of of people fleeing. So we, we, we just we want to get the people off the boats, but not put them back on small boats. Okay, right. Okay. I, I think that's right. the suggestion. No, Here's no the small boats. I now, think Harri- small boats are bad, yes. Harriet, just like mm. you, I don't know so much about producer Martin, but you and I, we believe in democracy. Yes, we do. I, I believe in democracy. We I love democracy. It's people. one of my favourite things. The will of the people is my favourite will sometimes. Right. I mean, Will Smith. Now, the people was my favourite will until he. have willed yeah. for this government yes. to be in power and to take charge on this mm. illegal migration problem. Yes. Now, the Court of Appeal and the High Court, these are not democratically elected institutions. Why are they interfering? with what the government is doing. Yes, we didn't so right. So right. The government should be allowed to do what it wants. It's mm. the government. Yeah, and Producer Martin, you're making faces, but you don't understand well, because you're a fascist. I don't think I am a fascist, but then again, I suppose it let is hard gov- to tell let sometimes. Let the government do what it needs to. Yes, we... Let the government decide who's fascist. Okay. Yes. Well, I think that could be a very dangerous and scary time to live. You, under. Well, you say that, Martin, because of your fascist tendencies. No, I, no. I believe in democracy. Mm. And actually, the High Court and the Court yes. of Appeals, they should have democratically elected people from the same government. That's the only way we can have checks and balances. That, that is such a good I, idea, Ishan. Let's replace all these independent bodies with people from the government. And that yes. is the only way we can truly get a good impartial, democratic process for these things. And then when you wouldn't get hideous things like this happening where people saying it's unlawful and against human rights, you know? Because you would be saying that because the the people there would be from the government. Do you know what is against human rights? Not having democracy. Yes, that is against human rights. That is against human rights. I do feel that perhaps the government do have the opportunity to change laws... And then it's down to the judges and whatnot to uh, make sure that those laws are played out in full. So what they've no, done, well, see, this is the problem. really, is just... I don't know what's happened to this country over the last couple of months, right? 
for some reason, the democracy that is the underpinning, not just of the UK political system, but globally, we are a shining beacon of parliamentary democracies across the world. Yeah. These independent committees are exerting so much power. First, you've got the High Court doing this, and then the Privileges Committee are complaining that Nadine Doris and Jacob Rees-Mogg, over the Partygate reports, were espousing the wrong views they on don't their know TV what they're shows. Talking about. Let's get rid of it's these inquiries right. and courts and things. Let's just give all the power to the government. Yes. That's what I want. Thank you very much. Once they much. make a decision, mm. we stick with that decision. Yes. No reviews. Yes. No committees. Mm-hmm. No analysis. And no wanging on about human rights. Oh. And let's bring back hanging. Okay. Wow. That didn't take too long to get to. Um, call me old-fashioned. Also what the people want, Producer Martin. But people I, want it. I think a little bit of human rights here and there is actually a good thing. In fact, it's a sign of that, um, that shining light that you were saying that we are, you know, as a democracy, that, w- that we have human rights. And I think they're, they're probably quite important to hang on to. Especially what with all the scary things going on in the world. The government has done some wonderful things in recent years. One thing it's done now, if you come here illegally because you're, oh, I don't know, I'm fleeing a country because I can't live there anymore because it's not safe. Well, our government has changed it so you can be put in prison for four years. And I think that's that's to be commended. But, you know, that goes on the taxpayers, doesn't it? So... Let's put them in Rwandan prisons. It does sound quite expensive. We could crowdfund it, producer Martin, or we could get the mysterious forces behind GB News could maybe fund the, the Rwandan The trip. award-winning GB yes, News. Yes, the award-winning GB News. They're doing great work, and the mysterious forces who shall not be named, you know, they've got a lot of You're... money, and maybe they are the answer. Absolutely. Maybe they could pay for sending people to Rwanda. And Your, um, your, your good friend Nigel Farage, of course, won best... News presenter of the year. It, well, yes, but it was a it was a public vote. Um, that doesn't really. Yeah, count. that they is what the, the public don't really yeah. know. They're not professionals. Right. Yeah, the public don't really understand what they're mm. doing most of the time. Yeah, democracy yeah. can be flawed, can't it? Well, well, uh, well. Yes, democracy can be flawed. It can be flawed. Maybe if there was like an independent body to actually judge good presenters, Harriet, yes. you might have you might have won it. Yes, that's what you think. You should have an independent body. To judge okay. awards. Well, this is going. I mean, you uh, you are aware of what you're saying, aren't you? That perhaps yes, what, independent what, what, what you saying, Martin? bodies are quite useful from time to time, and you can't just vote on everything. No, no, but only issues related to performance. Right. Yes, awards. Okay. Yeah, entirely yeah. different. Not not actual democracy. Not you know. What do we do with these? Yeah. Because also the, 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 the problem with, you know, independent bodies is they're not the people, you know. They don't right. know what the people want. Yes. Well, I wanted to share that breaking news with you. Thank and, you. Um, it's a sad day for Britain. It's a sad day for democracy. Yes. It's, it's a good day for illegal migrants. And mm. personally, that's not the kind of um, no. country okay. I want to be in. Uh, I would quite like to be on a plane away from here. If this um, is what we're doing. Well, Ishan, if the government pay you enough, maybe. Well, I mean, the way this country is going at the moment, where, you know, a, a, an MP can't even criticise a privileges committee or, 
you know, the government's yeah. own laws are deemed unlawful. It's just, Terrible. What kind of fascist state are we in? I can't. Yeah. I mean, we 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 it could is. we could have you as a foreign correspondent. That that could I'm not work. Foreign, though, I was born in England. It, well, no, but if, if we if we um, you know, I was born and raised here. to Martin. go somewhere. I can't be foreign. I was born and raised in England. You know their ways. When you say they, you've seen you how mean, they move. Foreign people. They the like travelers. to move it, move it. They like to move it, move it. They like to. They're physically fit. Thank you, Ishan Akbar. Thank you, Harriet. Now, regular listeners will remember our next guest, Douglas Brown from Central South Thames Water, from his appearance on the show last summer. Uh, yes, you can find that episode by Googling Overplop. Anyway, we were delighted to welcome him back to Nonsensored to talk about the huge success he's made of running Britain's water. Douglas, Douglas, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Thank you for having me back. I'm delighted to speak to you again. It's been a, a good year for water since we last spoke. People were getting overexcited about it. Uh, towards the end of last year, but I feel like there is some positivity coming back to the water industry, finally. Well, Douglas, it's good you're saying that because looking at the news, Thames Water appears to be in a bit of trouble. So clear that up for us. Is, is, it, is it not? Is it doing fine? Apparently it's in a lot of debt. There's talks of it being nationalised. I mean, well, this, is, this is not a bad thing. Uh, nationalisation, there are... Uh, benefits to it, but there are also difficulties with it. So we, we look at mm. this in a few different ways. If uh, Thames Water were to be nationalised, it would allow the government to deal with the, the shortfalls, to deal with the debts that uh, right. Thames Water have. And then when once they'd managed to flush all of that out, then they'd be able to pass that back to the uh, private companies. A lovely, fresh, clean slate and we can get oh, on doing what we do best. So you're saying sort of nationalise it to reprivatise it? Essentially, in order, so mm. what we'd do, we'd give them the, um, to use a, a metaphor, we'd, we'd give them the, the dirty toilet. Uh, right. They'd get the, the toilet duck, shove that mm. up there, a bit of blue in the system, and then uh, once all of the nasty uh, cling-on Depths had been scoured away from the, the porcelain edges, then they could pass it back to a privatised where we have a, a beautiful gleaming bowl oh. with which oh. to fill with um, with the nation's needs. Oh, I love this. Right. It makes me think of my Aunt Mabel's bathroom. This. Just lovely. Mm. Um, I think, um, uh, Mr. Brown, there there is a, an issue here, though, and that is with um, well, the public cleaning up for the private sector, uh, for bailing out failing businesses, especially ones that were um, you know so pivotal to the infrastructure of our nation. I mean, this this we're talking about the water of of the south, the the, the water of London here. The, the very lifeblood, and it's just uh, why is the public picking up the cheque for um, a poorly run financial institution? Well, privatisation means that we are directly held responsible 
by our shareholders. So we have a, a real incentive to uh, to succeed, to um, to make profits, to do well. And you, you need to understand yes. that if we were being held accountable to the, the public, well, mm. we have very little interest in, in what the public thinks. Well, also, they'd just complain about the poo more, wouldn't they? Well, exactly, and, and it would it would feed into a regurgitation of the same old problems. Whereas, mm. where there is an incentive to make more money, and I understand that some people find this a difficult thing. Oh, people are making money! How dare they? <laughs> yes. Um, oh, oh, let's shoot the people making money. Yes. Oh, let's nobody make money. Oh, nobody <laughs> should be making money. Let's put and the so people they think, make well, money in, in prisons. And I mean, so, if we're just having to do it for the public sake of it, we're not a charity. We are providing a service and people are prepared to pay for it. I think every member of the public understands that in order to receive a product, if they go to a cafe and they want to have a frappuccino, that they're not just going yes. to be given it for free. You need to yes, pay something no, for it. But, Douglas, the the, the issue as I understand it, isn't that you've just been giving away the water at too good a price. And that's why the, uh, the Thames Water is, is now $14 billion in debt. It, it's rather everyone has been paying for it all this time. And uh, the, the money just has been being given to shareholders uh, and not reinvested well, into the infrastructure. But you need to understand that without giving money to the top brass at a company, to the management team or to the shareholders, then you lose the talent. The reason why we need to give a a reasonable amount of money is that we have the very best people at the top. We have the most talented people uh, leading the company, and we also have the very best shareholders. If you want the good shareholders, you need to make sure I want the good shareholders. Exactly. You don't want to have... Anyone that's come out of sixth form college being a no. shareholder or, or any old teenager running a multinational company, that would be Yes, awful. or some sort of Greta Thunberg lover, you know. Don't want exactly. one of those. If you want to get the best people to run a company, then you need to pay the good money. And mm. if you want to have good water, then you need to be paying those people by paying your water bills. Okay, well, let's talk right. about the good water because... The chief executive of Thames Water had to stand down because of um, sewage spills. Uh, yeah, apparently. I don't know if you remember. We we prefer to use the word overplop for that. Oh yes, sorry. Um, yeah. Remember, it's what's happened now is that obviously this is something which people continue to bring up, always worrying about it. But we are dealing with it. We do have more overplop than we did have last time I spoke to mm-hmm. you. But we are keeping it contained we're keeping it in a sort of big frothy vats fizzing with with overplop it's a, a term we like to use for mm. this is effervescent oh lovely Ooh, because of the nature of of what we're dealing with and like mm. i said to you last time i was on the program we have a choice we can either put the effervescence into the sea mm. or it can come directly out of your toilets into your yes. bathroom yes uh, right. Hello, you know, what What would you rather? Exactly. Well, so what people are paying for, people may be saying that the charges for water are exorbitant, but when you think what mm. you're paying for is not having a bathroom or a lavatory filled to the brim in poo-poo. You can't put a price on that. Well, you can put a price on that. And to be honest, I'd be prepared to spend a rather large sum not to be up to my eyes in plop-plop. 
I think that's so true. Also, can I just say, uh, Douglas, that people going on about this overplop in the seas and things like that, when I was a child, I remember I used to swim in the sea and I'd have feces going going into my, my eyes, into my uh, mouth all the time. Uh, and I did nothing just wrong. Just what we did when we were kids. Nothing wrong. Everyone did it. Mm. And then suddenly everyone's getting upset and I'm like, well, I'm sorry, you've forgotten. When we were children, we used to swim in poo-poo all the time. The, I mm. don't think that happens all the time. Um, Douglas... I, I do have a um, a question for you. There's been a uh, leak uh, in in one of the pipes on my street, and it's been there for a good uh, two weeks now. And I've I've called the uh, the the water company, and they've done nothing about it. I mean, is there is this representative of the kind of service that you present? Um, is, I mean, is it my responsibility? To step in and, and and fix the leak is that the kind of thing Are that you, we're, we're dealing with now? I, so you, who would you who would you like to fix this for you, Martin? Who is responsible for this? Well, well I, I feel like the water company is in charge of the water pipes. We pay the water company to provide our water. Therefore, they shouldn't be leaking all over the street. There's children slipping over. My dog. Um, drinks from it sometimes, uh, and I, you know I don't know whether I should pay an additional fee because we have water at home. But well, this you know, this sounds pressure. like it could be quite expensive, Martin. Let's say it costs us a thousand pounds to fix this pipe near you. Now there are sixty five million people in this country. If we need yeah. to spend a thousand pounds for each one of those, that's huge amounts of money. Well, no. And where are we going to get this money from? Well, in that case, if you would like us to fix your pipe, then we will need to increase your bills. So you will either need to pay that. So you can choose whether you pay the £1,000 for us to fix this pipe, or perhaps we are offering an incentive to say, give it a go. Why not allow people to take back control of the uh, places where they live and we're saying, hey, you, give it a go. Fix that pipe. There's nothing stopping Douglas. you. Just because right. the skill set in this country is deteriorating, we're encouraging people, get into your so manholes, get to those mm. standpipes, go into the sewers, give it a go, patch well, a few bits up. If you're worried about a leaky sewer down there, get down there, take a bit of cement, and we'll give you as much advice as we can to get that fixed. And right. Douglas, so by of... this rule, you could get people catching all the poo-poo in, in, in the water. You know, when they Absolutely. go swimming, freshwater swimming, bring a little net, bring a bucket, you know, get your children involved. It could be a fun game going, oh, you know, Lucy and Peters, let's see how much human excrement we can catch in the bucket today. Give I, it I think a there's go. so many different ways around this. Exactly. It's, it's sort of vigilante infrastructure engineering initiative. Yes. Is that what sounds right. exciting, doesn't it, producer Martin? Martin, you don't seem to be encouraged by the privatization idea. So let me give you another option in that case, if you're uncomfortable about this. Yes. How about we have a system more like the NHS, where there is a publicly owned water system? What happens in the NHS is that uh, the private contractors are brought in to deliver what's needed for it. So that would happen. Right. However, we also have another system of private health care in this country. So what you are saying that you want, Martin, is that you have 
free publicly owned water on one side and on the yes. other side, you're saying that you want a private company to offer the water to people who are prepared to pay more. Now this water, like Evian, private water, Buxton, exactly, clean, sparkling water. And you're saying that what you want for the rest of the country is a slightly chunkier water. Is that well, what, I what you want? want chunky. I don't think I'd you ever want put chunky the words water chunky for everyone, and, water together. and you want clean water I, for the elite. And I think that I doesn't sound like a very fair idea. And that was your idea, Martin. I'm not sure where the chunks would come from. This, I mean, a normal tap water is fine. Um, no, but listen, producer Martin. I mean, you've really dug yourself into a hole, actually, so to speak. We're going to have to draw this interview to a close because we're running out of time. But I think what we've learned today is actually producer Martin is sort of an enemy of the people. He wants them all what? to have chunky water. I don't even know what chunky oh, water sad. is. It's. I think maybe it doesn't exist, but... I mean, well, I just think normal water. All I can say, producer normal. Martin, is I'm never accepting a drink from you again. Right. Anyway, Douglas, thank you so much for coming on the show. It, as ever, been very informative. And Thanks. Sam. Good luck with all the problems going on with Thames Water. And to everybody out there, remember: if you see something wrong, give it a go. Next time on a very spooky fine dining podcast, the season one finale, TGI Fridays the 13th. Oh, you betcha, pineapple's gonna hit the fan as Michael's son Juicy, or in this episode, Juice Son Voorhees, <laughs> goes on a murderous rampage and no one is safe. It gets real spooky, it gets real bloody, and not everyone's gonna make it to the end of the episode. Who will live? Who will die? Listen to Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. Break down a trip to TGI Fridays based on the atmosphere, the service, and the food. And try not to be scared to death. Hear the thrilling finale of Fine Dining, Wednesday, October 25th, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, we were joined by the world's strictest headmistress, Caitlin Babblingbrook, from the Michelangelo School, to talk about the biggest threat to our children's education today. Well, I'm I'm not sure it's the biggest Well, let me threat. ask you I this, mean, Martin. How many GCSE grade 9s did your school get last year? I don't have a school. Well, why don't you shut up and listen to someone who knows what they're talking about? Here's Caitlin Babblingbrook. Caitlin, great to have you back again, talking about the state of our schools. Oh, thank you so much. As the greatest head teacher in all of history, it only makes sense that I'm here. Thank you. It does. There's only only one person we want to talk about when we're worried about our children, and that is you. Mm. Now, fill me in, because I'm hearing all sorts of very worrying rumours about what our children are getting up to in schools. <sighs> Yes, it is extremely worrying here at the Michelangelo School. Of course, with 87% GCSEs grade 9 or above, we have clamped down Mm. on all the things that are ruining children in schools. For example, you will not find one child at the Michelangelo School 
who swims 20 minutes after eating, because I won't allow it. Right. What, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. That's so good. So impressive. It kills. Okay. You drown. That's, you drown that's if for... you swim. Um... Mm. Interesting. And you think that has an impact on their uh, behaviour and their um, their ability, their sort of learning? Well, yes, if they're drowned, Producer Martin. Well, yes, no, you can't get, you can't get a GCSE yes, grade want. nine or above if you're drowned from eating before no, swimming. you can't. Did you know that I insist that every child at the Michelangelo school eats carrots with lunch so that they can see better? That is so good. That is so good because that used to be used to be a thing that every parent did back in yes. the old days, and now people don't do it. People every don't do child it the used to have perfect eyesight, and now state of it. Yes, yes. Too many glasses makes me sick. All these people with glasses. Mm, I think a new invention. Eat more carrots, you absolute wimpy cretins. Yes. So, Caitlin, it's wonderful that you are ensuring the health and safety of all our children. Well, children who are lucky enough to go to your school. But has there been any worrying trends that you've noticed in your school? I had to do a huge clampdown on children with hoverboards. You'll you'll know that in other Mm -hmm. schools, children have hoverboards. They all saw them in Back to the Future 2 and they got them when they were in hol- on holiday in America over the summer. And now hoverboards are rife oh in goodness. schools. Well, you will not see a single child on a hoverboard at the Michelangelo school. Trust me. Caitlin, that's surprising because Back to the Future 2 did come out some time ago. Yeah. Yes, well, it's given them time to make the hoverboards and buy them in America when they go on holiday there. Oh, uh, I see. Mm. I see. They're playing the long game. Go to any other school that's not the Michelangelo school. Children just zooming around on hoverboards while the teachers don't tell them off for anything. Mm. That's how it is now. So you've literally got a case where children are running riot on their little hoverboards and Mm. teachers don't feel like they can do anything. And also, I imagine, if a teacher was to push a child off a hoverboard and then that child was to sort of fall over and break, break its ankle... It would be the teacher's fault, wouldn't it? Exactly. And yet yes. you have all these little kids zooming around, zooming around the classroom. Yeah, yes. I've, I've got to say, um, I'm not sure that hoverboards do exist um, yet. I mean, perhaps they they could do. The, the, Martin, the, the question Martin, is, Martin, I'm going yeah. to stop you there. There have been several reports of hoverboards existing. Several. Right. And and where Several. where are these reports you, coming from? Um Facebook. Right. That's real people, that's not the news. Facebook, TikTok, and GB News. The three holy trinity. Okay. Um <clears throat> Right. Well, I, I think it just does raise an interesting point about our sources and um and and you know where we get our information from and, and whether that's checked um are, are these things that you do before you put in these new policies in your school caitlin i have the unique position of sitting on twitter for 16 hours a day so i think i know what's up right yeah caitlin you tell him you we tell have him. to be careful because lee clayton in year seven he's actually his dad is actually in charge of making the sequel to goldeneye on the n64 he's working on it right now so if you think that's he's, if you wow. think that's outlandish then i don't see why hoverboards seem like such a crazy idea 
Caitlin, I can't help but wow. notice that these references, they do seem to be, um, they're, they're almost sort of 20 years old. Um, hoverboards, the N64. Are these are these not things that were, were perhaps happening in your own school life that have maybe influenced the kind of rules that you're putting into place now that you're in charge of so actual... So suddenly there's a time limit Suddenly there's a time limit on things that are dangerous to our children. You may not have seen hoverboards no, 30 years ago when everything at school was good. You may not have seen it then, but it's around now and it's a huge danger and you won't find it in our school. Tell me this. Have you known of children who said Bloody Mary in the mirror three times? I mean, that was always... That is, that is that neither an old thing nor a new thing. And I have said no to that in my school. At the Michelangelo School, no child may say Bloody Mary in the mirror three times because you cannot get grade nine or above GCSE results if Bloody Mary appears behind you in the mirror and kills you. So important to keep that in check. Yes. I mean, the thing is, producer Martin doesn't understand things like this because his children are feral. Well, no, they're not. They're not. They just go to the they they go to a sort of woodland um, class. On Saturdays, that's not the same as being feral. They're, you know, they're, they're they're involved in the girl guides and 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 the the beavers. So you know, just because they learn to look, it's not about my children. Well, they should be careful because I went to a woodland and I saw a bigfoot. Did you? Did you? So be careful. Where in the woodland? Also, a lot of children now they will see a bigfoot, and their parents will say, "Don't go near bigfoot," and they they'll ignore them. Because yes, because they have no respect the, for adults. No respect for authority. I've got yeah. to say, I mean, the sightings of Bigfoot or um, Sasquatch or any of his uh, many different guises, they're limited, I think, largely no, to the... Martin, there are lots of blogs about this. The there no- are so many blogs mm. about this on the internet will tell you that Bigfoot sightings are a real thing and a real problem. Well, in Washington State, perhaps, but um, I, I think... Uh, in the UK, it's probably less so. It's a bit racist, Martin. What? It's not racist. That's just where Sasquatch is from. He, he lives up there. He doesn't exist. Look, the point is, um, I, I think it's very important to, um, you know, take, obviously, any concerns seriously, but also um, maybe sort of check the the source of the information. I mean, are there, I'm sure the kids say lots of things in your school, you know, make make lots of outrageous claims, and you, you can't just believe all of them, surely. Well, I heard of a child in a school that identified as the millennium bug, and the teachers had to respect that, and they just let them identify as the millennium bug, and before you knew it, that that child had set all the computers back in the school to 1900. That is disgusting. That is absolutely Disgusting. I mean, no child may annoying. identify as the Millennium Bug at the Michelangelo School. Mm. Now, Caitlin, before you go, there will be lots of concerned parents who listen to this show who aren't lucky enough to have their children go to the Michelangelo School. Mm. What advice would you give to them with navigating these new tricky waters in state education today? Biggest piece of advice that I can give parents whose children aren't lucky enough to go to my excellent school with its unquestionable GCSE results, and they are the key to happiness in life. Mm. 
Don't eat an apple seed, because if you do, it will grow into a tree in your tummy. Caitlin, it's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Well, that's it for this week. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, follow the out-of-context nonsense Twitter account and keep those questions and erotic thriller contributions coming to nonsenseofpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Rosie, Brendan Murphy, Ishan Akbar, Oliver Isod, Suze Kempner and Ed Morrish. I'm Harriet Langley-Swinton and we'll be back next week with more non